Christ be with you. Also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church. Especially if you're visiting with us today, we're delighted that you are here. And there is a friendship pad on each one of the pews near the center aisle. It's a black folder. We'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here and then pass it down the row so that other people can sign it too. You can see the announcements of what's going on in the life of the church. It's a very busy season for us. Today our parish nurses are offering blood pressure checks after this service. If you go this way, the, the room where they're going to be is down around by the elevator. They're going to be in the prayer room doing blood pressure checks. This morning at the 10 o'clock hour, we have an adult education speaker in Tankersley Hall, Fotis Romeus. Fotis, would you wave at us? I bet that that's you over there. There he is. He is here from Greece, and he is going to be talking about Greece today and also Greece in the time of the Apostle Paul. Uh, and then the group that is going to Greece is not only going to that, but they're staying afterward for another meeting too. Uh, but the rest of you are invited for the 10 o'clock hour to hear Fotis. Also, today is our Molokai bake sale. The baked goods that are being sold on the patio today benefit our group that is going to be going, the youth that will be going on a mission trip during their spring break. Our Club 325 Homework Club begins tomorrow. If you have a child who's of that age, this is the time to get them signed up for that. We're also signing up for our MOPS group, our Mothers of Preschoolers. You can see how to do that. The sign-ups are online. 
The third Friday group invites you to join them to hear John Moore talk about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, and there was also a potluck dinner to go with that. We do need you to sign up, and the sign-ups are out on the patio for that. Next Sunday, there will be an adult edu education class. The group of people who went to Africa to visit the Tumaini home, where many of us sponsor orphans, is going to be talking about that trip and about what that was like and an update on what's going on at Tumaini. And we are signing up for a women's retreat. The only way to sign up for that is online. And the, the, there's a, a limited deadline, uh, time frame to sign up, so please get to it and do it soon. Our theme is going to be, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Unexpected Kindness. And our speaker is Lisa Smith, the pastor at Canyon Hills Presbyterian Church, and she is wonderful and hilarious. I think you will really enjoy her. Let's pray together. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth and the universe from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We humbly ask you to bless us this morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be filled with your hope by the strength of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join with me in our call to worship. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say glory. So let us stand and say glory.
said all who are thirsty come to the water and drink for there you will be satisfied and there you will receive life everlasting you alone O oh Lord are our heart's desire and we long to worship you let's sing together as the deer as the deer
Let us pray together. God of all creation, we stand amazed in the wonder and power and glory of who you are. And we do long to worship you and offer you our praise. But we confess that we are often surprised by your love for us, For we do not have that great of love for you or love for each other. And we're confused by our own reluctance to answer when you call our names. And so we sing these songs of tribute in the sanctuary, but we shy away from these baptism waters and the river that flows from your amazing life. We shy away lest we be baptized with the fire, the transformation fire of your Holy Spirit. So forgive us when we forget your promise to be with us always, that you love us, that you forgive us, and that you know us by name. For you have spoken that you have called us by name, and that we belong to you, and that you have forgiven us, and you have redeemed us. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But we have received a spirit of adoption. We cry, Abba, Father. And it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. And we invite up one of the joint heirs now. Jennifer Leonti, who is going to speak to us about the women's retreat. Good morning, everyone. I am here to uh, invite you to the women's retreat this year. I volunteered, yes, volunteered, to be co-chair with Judy Bell, mostly because I think she's awesome and hilarious, and I want to be just like her when I grow up. (laughs) Um, So anyway, the reason I really want to invite you is a few years back, Beth invited me. I was at MOPS. It was a Thursday morning. I got there early because both of my kids had school. Yay. And um, I was just helping set up breakfast, and Beth came over to me, and she said, why don't you come to the women's retreat this year? And honestly, the idea had never even crossed my mind to go. I don't know anybody else who was going, but I knew Beth. And that was, that was kind of enough because she always greets everybody warmly. 
But when I got there, everybody else greeted me warmly too. People I'd never met, people I'd never even seen at church because I kind of sneak in late because I have young kids, three and six, and I kind of rush out the door to pick them up from Sunday school. So this year, our theme is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Unexpected kindness. That's exactly what you're gonna find. If you haven't been before, come. Everybody's kind, everybody's open, and everybody's welcoming. You won't feel alone, you won't feel like you don't know anybody. Um, there's a lot of unexpected kindness in this world and in this church. And we're also pairing with a neighboring church, Canvas. Um, and I've met a few from there. They're wonderful too. So please join us. Um, there's more details in your bulletin. Bring it home, mostly because it has the uh, sign-up details for how to get to the Exiva sign-up, because I can never find it from the homepage of the church. So type that into your browser to make it a lot easier. Um, there's Room, single rooms, double rooms, triple rooms, and quads. If you're like me and you're going to go for the first time and don't know anybody, we'll help you find somebody if you want to pair up to get the better price. Um, if you have any additional questions, please feel free to find me. Um, like I said, I run in and run out, but I do sometimes make it here early on Sunday, so I hope to see you then. If not, um, please feel free to email Judy or myself, and there are some scholarship opportunities available if that helps. I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from verse 15 through 23 this morning. You'll find it on page 60 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Hear now God's word to us. As the people were filled with expectation, 
all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, the brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Our Lord and God, Now as we hear your word, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts that we may delight in your presence. Sharpen our minds that we may discern your truth. And shape our wills that we may desire your ways. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Over the last several months, my son Aaron has been working on his college applications. I know just the mention of it sends a chill up the spine of any teacher or student, doesn't it? So this spring semester, he's finishing up his stint at a community college and is looking to transfer to a four-year university. Now, every now and then, he calls me into the study to look over an application before he presses the button, Send. Now, as a transfer, I'd say most of those applications are pretty simple. Most of them have taken about 30 minutes to fill out. But there's one in particular that's very demanding, and it clearly sets itself apart from all the others. To add to it, it's due at the end of this month, January. We're getting a little stressed out at the sweet house. And I would say it's going to take him probably about four to six, maybe eight hours to fill out this application. Now, why so long, you ask? Why so extensive? The college is actually trying to figure out who he is. In one word, identity. Their goal, they say at the beginning of the application, is, quote, our application process is designed to discover your individual story. Let me say that one more time. Our application process is designed to discover your individual story. There's four essay questions he needs to complete, all with that end goal in mind. But what caught my eye, though, were all of these quick prompt questions they have on the application you're supposed to fill out. First, I thought, what are they trying to accomplish with these quick prompt questions? And it occurred to me, 
They want to see how real the applicant is willing to be about themselves. So listen to these prompts. Think about how you might answer them. Describe yourself in three words. What's your favorite snack? (laughs) What's your favorite app or website? What's the best movie of all time? What hashtag would you use to describe yourself? What's your dream job? What's your theme job? What's your theme song? What's your dream trip? What TV show will you binge watch next? And where's the place where you are the most content in life? So this morning, let's go back to that first question. Describe yourself in three words. Now, as Aaron was sitting there staring at the screen, I think it's natural, he turned to me and asked me what three words I would give for him. Now, I think this was wise as a parent. I challenged him to come up with the answer first for himself, and then I would answer that question for him. Now, I've been thinking this week how I might answer that question for myself. What three words would I use to describe myself? And I've even taken it a step further. I've thought about how I might have answered that question before I started my walk with God. And then I thought, what led to the change? What led to the transformation to move me from those three words of old to the three words that I would give myself for today? So let me challenge you to think about that for yourself this morning and maybe throughout the week. What three words would you use to describe yourself before you started your walk with God? And what three words would you use to describe yourself now? And then ask yourself, what enabled that change, that transformation? What moved you from those old three words to define yourself to the words of today that make up your identity? In our passage this morning, we see a crowd of people gathered at the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. What caused all these people to make their way to the river? Well, earlier in the chapter, John, we read, had been traveling around that region calling people. And he was calling all kinds of people, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor. He was calling tax collectors and soldiers And he was calling the people to come to the Jordan to seek two things. To seek repentance and to receive forgiveness. Now repentance is the change from one way of life to another way of life. And forgiveness is to be pardoned. It's the merciful removal of the guilt of sin to be found righteous in the sight of God. Now, if you pause for a moment and think about this, both of those words are about identity. Having seen yourself one way, being set free by Christ to see yourself in a brand new way. So believe it or not, people accepted John's invitation. They actually showed up to hear this wild man preach. Why? Because I believe deep down inside, 
every person longs not only to know who they are, but to know whose they are and what they could possibly become. So when people approached John, he was very specific about identity. He's basically saying those of you who have identified yourself as rich no longer be hoarding or to be selfish, but rather see yourself as a person of generosity. Those who are identified as tax collectors no longer be unethical, but rather see yourself as a person of integrity. And those who are identifying themselves as powerful no longer extort or intimidate, but rather see yourself as a person of contentment. Those are some radical identity changes that John is calling for. So as they came to the water, it was used as a symbol for a new way of life. They were dying to the old identity, and they were being raised up to a new life, a new identity in Christ. I think we'd say through John, mercy was running ahead. John was even questioned about his identity from what the people had seen and heard and experienced from the Word and from the water. They started thinking to themselves, well, maybe, maybe this man is the Messiah. Maybe he's the anointed one, the promised one from God. But John puts it to rest immediately because he knew who he was. He knew his identity and the identity of the person who would soon be coming. The one who is coming after me is much more powerful than I am. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And I've baptized you with water, but the one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So after everyone was baptized, just as Jesus was baptized, something happened. Something happened that no other person had experienced, not even John. The heavens were opened up. And the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And then a voice speaks. And I thought about this yesterday. Not the voice of an angel, as when the shepherds heard the angels and the good news out there in the field at the birth of Christ. The voice is from God the Father. And He is speaking directly to Jesus Christ. He uses the word you. And He's speaking those very words that Jesus needed to hear at the beginning of His ministry the words that will confirm his identity. The Father says of Jesus, you are my son, you are my child. You are my beloved, and in you I am well pleased. How beautiful it is that Jesus went into the water to identify with us, to make the way for us to receive our identity in him. Why, you may ask? Because God, out of His love and grace, has put together a process for us to discover our individual story in Him. Mercy in Christ has run ahead.
On Christmas Eve, as I was getting up from that chair right there to head up to this pulpit to preach, it was the first time I preached on Christmas Eve, there were a lot of people out there. (laughs) From there to here, there was a discussion that was taking place in my mind. That ever happened to you before you do some public speaking? It started with a comment made to me long ago, all the way back to my freshman year in high school. And this comment, right when I was standing up, popped into my head. Now, ninth grade was a very difficult year in my life, and I was acting out in many ways. And I had showed very little respect for my teachers. Many of the words they said to me during that time were well-deserved, but one One, not so much. One day out of frustration, exhaustion, one of my teachers in front of the whole class said to me, Mr. Sweet, you are going nowhere in life. For years, I couldn't get that out of my head. That phrase had a way of rising up every now and then and haunting me. So it popped in my head as I was getting up out of that chair on Christmas Eve. And as I stood up, I looked over at the baptismal font. And God's Spirit intervened and pressed these words upon my heart. You belong to me now. You are mine. Reminding the merciful movement from worthless to valued. Mercy has a way of running ahead. So maybe you can relate. Something was said to you long ago or even recently. A word, a name, a phrase used in a derogatory way to attempt to claim your identity for the sake of discouraging you and robbing you of your joy in Christ. Maybe it was a name you even gave to yourself out of despair. And it rises up every now and then and haunts you. After Ern had come up with his three words, he then asked me what the words were that I would give for him. And I spoke those words to him. And I'm not going to tell you what they were. (laughs) But let me tell you this. When that parent... When this parent brought those three words, there was a priceless smile on his face. So this morning, our Lord and God, our Father, by His Spirit, through the love and righteousness of Christ, says to each one of us, You are my child. You are my beloved. And in you, I am well Those are the three words that God gives you today for your identity in Him. You are a child, you are beloved, and you are pleasing. Child, beloved, pleasing. So I encourage you to breathe out those words that haunt you and to breathe in those words of God and look to the water this morning as a reminder of God's promise to you that He will never let go of you, that you belong to Him. You are child, beloved, and pleasing to Him.
Amen? Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith together. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul exhorts the church to lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as we were called to the one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. We were all given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Today we ordain and install the new officers for our congregation that will serve us for the coming three years. Uh, we have both deacons and ruling elders that we will be ordaining and installing today. Um, that's going to be a lot of people. So um, we kind of, uh, it's going to be a kind of amazing how many people are serving us as the leaders in our church. So you can see the names of the people who are um, being ordained and installed here in your bulletin. Um, those who have served before as an elder, they have been ordained for life, and therefore they are being installed, not ordained. Those who have never been an elder before, never been ordained as an elder, are being ordained and installed. That's the difference. Um, and then also the deacons, likewise. So I'd like to invite those who are coming for their first term as elders, Jack Bell, Jamie Maxwell, Mike Milson, Deborah Sakash, and Jamal Gullis. Would it work for you to come over to this side? And then also those who are coming for their second, being installed for their second term, as you guys come over here, because we're gonna have deacons, a lot of them. Um, so for the second term for elders who are being installed, Gus Altazara, Alice Jensen, and Gail Onadera. Um, also those who are being ordained and installed as deacons, you can see Diane Babcock, Dee Dee Blair, would you come as I say your name? Karen Dennis, Abigail Garcia, Roberta Haltam, Mary Kobler, Carl Kosky, Jennifer Leonti, John Leonti, Janet Proctor, Diane Rigler, Shelby Rigg, Sue Siebold, and Jennifer Sweet. And those who are being installed for a second term, Anita Sands, Thomas, Gail Titus, I'm sorry, these are also new, Gail Titus, Sarah Van Tilburg, Marnie Wickert, and for a second term, Sue Davis, Polly Hodge, Anna Kafalis, George Kafalis, Dave Sizer, and Kim Timmons. My, my, look at you all. <laughs> so if you're being ordained, which means you have not before been a deacon, and you have not, or have you not before been an elder, if it works for your body, we invite you to kneel. If, you, if kneeling is too difficult for you, feel free to stand. So, um, and then, so let's go ahead and have you Oh, no, you're going, to do, you're going to do vows first. Then, in addition to all these people, if you have been ordained as an elder, a ruling elder, or a teaching elder, then we invite you to come behind these people and lay your hands on them as, we, as they uh, 
agree to their vows and as we pray for them. So if you're a ruling elder or a teaching elder, would you come behind them, please? Now, if we also had the deacons come in, it'd be crazy, wouldn't it? So we're going to do something different today. If you have been ordained as a deacon, would you just stand up where you are while we are doing this? We think that that would work pretty well. This is kind of amazing, isn't it? Look at all these. So for you that are going to be ordained and installed as elders and deacons, I have questions for you, and I'm going to also ask the congregation a couple of questions at the end. So respond to these questions. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior? Acknowledge Him, Lord of all, and Head of the Church, and through Him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you? We do. Do you accept the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the Church and God's Word to you? Do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what Scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead these people of God? Do you? I do. Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity, and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you, in your own life, seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? world? Will you? I will. And do you promise to further the peace unity, and purity of the church, do you? I do. And will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? I will. And a question for the elders. Will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in the councils of the church, and in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? I will. And deacons, will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's health to the friendless and those in need? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? I will. And for the congregation... Do we, the members of the church, accept these elders and deacons chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we? We do. And do we agree to pray for them, to encourage them, to respect their decisions, and to follow as they guide us serving Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of the church? Do we? We do. So when, for us to pray, if you are being in, ordained and you would like to kneel, there are some cushions here for you to kneel on, um, and I'll let you go ahead and get in a spot to do that. If, that, if kneeling is difficult for you, let's just stand where we are, and, and let's all put hands on one another as we pray. Let's pray. Holy God, you are the God who calls people like us 
and like the long line of mothers and fathers before us who trusted your promise enough to keep the call. So we give you thanks that you are a calling God who calls always to challenging new places. So pour out your spirit on these your servants whom you have called through baptism and marked as your own. Give them the gifts of your Holy Spirit that they will need to serve you in all that is coming ahead this term. Show us all the transforming power of your grace in our lives and give us openness to your spirit's leading as we consider the new things that you may want to do in us and through us. For we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You are now ordained in the Church of Jesus Christ as elders and as deacons. Congratulations. Because we need God's help to live into the word that we've heard, I invite you now to pray with me. Gracious God, thank you that you speak to us as you spoke to Jesus and that we hear these words that you have spoken to us. To call us to change, to know who we are and who we belong to. We need your help to become like Jesus, to confirm our identity that is deeply embedded in you. And so we ask for your help. Not just for us, but we ask for your help to intervene in the activity of the world. That people who are far from you might come close and that the climate of dis-ease and destruction might be abated by the goodness of your Holy Spirit, that you might bring harmony to the tensions between nations. We ask also that you would be with people in our country that are hurting from the natural disasters that seem to increase around us that you might surround them and help them be in the presence of people who would help them to know of your help and your grace and your love in the midst of the pain. We ask especially that you would be with us to help us bridge the big gaps between opposing sides in our politics, our government, and our religion. O oh Lord, we also ask that you would be with us as a church as we work through our mission study and begin our search for a pastor. That we might know the identity that you have given to us as a congregation to be beloved, to belong to you, and to be pleasing to you in your sight. O oh Lord, in our families, we ask that as parents and grandparents, you would help us to send these kinds of messages to our children in word and attitude and action. Help us as people who struggle with this to be changed by your spirit that we know you love us. 
And in our belovedness, teach us to be people of prayer. As Jesus taught us, we remember that prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As most of you know, we have adopted this year in our commitment to move forward a more striking statement, pressing forward, not holding back. And uh, we want to be thinking in that kind of pattern as we enter into a process that we call the mission study of the church or the congregation. That mission study is in three parts. We look at our demographics of the world around us, the immediate communities that we live in and are around us. We also do a survey of the congregation to hear what you think about this church. And that survey is from an organization that has given it a specific name. It's called Holy Cow. I think there'll be moments in this whole process you will say, holy cow, where are we? We want to hear from you. It is a congregational assessment tool that would be coming to you on your emails in about two weeks so that you can go online and you can fill it out, you can answer the questions, and if you have a disconnect from your own email access or your own online access, you can come over to the church and we'll help you go online. So that as many people in our congregation, not just members, but participants, can fill out the Holy Cow Congregational Assessment Tool. Beyond that, we will go through a process of also asking, where is God calling us into the future? But the Holy Cow assessment tool will be released to you on January the 27th and will be available to you until February the 16th. And so we're giving you a heads up. Watch out for Holy Cow. It's coming your way. And then on February the 23rd, we will have a consultant from the organization, Holy Cow, to come and give us feedback about what we have said as a congregation in our feedback, our assessment tool. So we're pressing forward. This has to happen as a mission study before we begin our pastoral search. And we want to encourage all of us to participate fully in the meantime of who we are, and what we have, and that's what we do in our Sunday offerings and our offerings during the week. May God give us the freedom to give generously as we press forward. Amen.
stand as we sing Amazing Grace together.
And so, gracious God, we recognize today that you do pour out goodness upon us in ways that continually surprise us, even in the midst of the hard stuff of life. And we give thanks that you empower us to give of ourselves and what you give to us to be able to sustain life. And so we pour out our generosity to the ministry and service that you have set before us as a congregation, that you would receive these gifts and our lives as we dedicate ourselves to be who you have created us to be in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we give thanks. Amen. Amen. So during the postlude, you are invited to come forward to the baptismal font and dip your fingers into the water as a reminder that God says to you, you are my child, my beloved. In you, I am well pleased. And now may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you this week. Amen.
my child, my beloved, and you I am well pleased.